This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. We're pleased to be visiting today with Matt West, host of our newest program, Automotive ADHD. That program airs every Saturday morning about 10.15, right after Valley Views. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Now, this is exciting for us because this is a brand new show. You approached us. You had a podcast that you thought, hey, maybe this will fit. Before we get into that, let's get a little bit of background. You've got a history born and raised, basically. Yeah, yeah. I grew up out here in, in Westcliff, and ever since I was real short, real little. And uh, no, and I went to the um, school out here as well, K through 12, uh, and I uh, ended up Oh, gosh, running into all sorts of friends and interesting people who might have helped me get into cars out, out here. It's, uh, it's definitely <laughs> a big passion, I think, with a lot of people here. So what was it like growing up in the Valley? It's one thing that I like about the Valley, and it was growing up out here, it's, it's kind of small, right? You, it's not the big city, and in a lot of ways, that's an, an amazing thing. You know, you have such a closer connection with friends and with people, and, you know, if you're growing up in the city and you're a kid, you walk across the street to your friend's house every day to hang out, right? To go play if you're a kid. But out here, it was always an occasion. You'd have to drive out somewhere. You know, I, gr- I grew up on a kind of off of uh, Oak Creek grade, County Road 255. Sure. Uh, And uh, so, you know, it was always one of those things that it was an occasion as a kid when I got to go into town, would go into town, would get something to eat, would go to the bowling alley. That was always cool. And I think that's something you lose a little bit if you grow up in the city. It's that kind of, that small town feel, it makes certain things feel more special sometimes. And what are some of the downsides of growing up in a place like Westcliff? Oh, well, the only challenging thing I would say is, especially when, once you get into the high school point, right, you're, you're wanting to go out and hang out with more people and go check out different things, and it's a little smaller, and if you've already spent the past 16, 18 years of your life here, you kind of know everything that's here. So the challenge is then when you want to go watch a movie that just came out. You're going down to Pueblo. You're going to Canyon <laughs> City. Actually, I don't even know if the theater in Canyon's open anymore. It used to be. But that, that was one of the challenges, too. And, you know, that's kind of, in a weird way, tying this into cars, because, you know, I'm doing a car show. That is one thing when I was a teenager that helped me get into cars is I got my first car. It was 800 bucks. It was cheap. And I drove it everywhere because I wanted to go visit friends who now lived in Canyon City. And then I met some friends in Colorado Springs. So I'm like, let's go to Colorado Springs. And then I was working a part-time job just to pay for all of the gas doing that. But I, I got a lot of time behind the wheel as a result of that. What was your first car? The first car was a car that my parents gave me, which unfortunately I crashed it on Oak Creek grade like within a year of having it. So <laughs> my first car that I paid my own money for, they said, all right, you're buying your next one. So the, then that one was 800 bucks. So the second car, technically second, that was a Jeep Wrangler was the second one. Okay, that's, and, a, that's uh, a classic in oh, this yeah. kind of area. One of my friends in high school, her dad had, had it sitting on his... Um, on his ranch, and uh, it had been sitting there for years, and I just kind of casually said, hey, would you sell that? Said, What's wrong with it? He's like, oh, it's got a blown up engine, and I was like, I'll give you 500 bucks for it. He's like, 800. I was like, deal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge about cars then, but that was kind of an endeavor to, to learn more about cars, you know, because it was a case of parents said, look, if you want to do this, you can do it. We'll support you, but you got to pay for your own stuff on it, and that also translated into, oh, I can't afford to pay a mechanic to do it. 
So I'm going to use this great thing called the internet and look up how to do stuff. I know we've had John Mitchell on this program who has a collection of Studebakers, and he says that the internet is just an amazing resource. Oh, yeah. Uh, Before we get too deep into cars, you work in Colorado Springs in media. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit ab- about that. After graduating high school, I uh, I went out to Colorado Springs to go to college and get a degree in broadcasting. And I don't, I couldn't tell you what compelled me to get a degree in broadcasting, but but I, it was it was on the list. And I said, hey, that sounds like fun, so let's do that. And went out to Pikes Peak Community College, did a their uh, associate's degree program in broadcasting. And after that, I got a job working my first job working in radio for a uh, cluster of stations in the Springs owned by uh, Cumulus Media. And, you know, and then I, I worked there for, gosh, about five years. And that's a, it was a big jump going from at the time, fresh out of college, only having experience in college radio to a full-fledged cluster of commercial stations. And they had everything from a top 40 station to a rock station to news talk, everything. From there, I've moved on to another company in the Springs called Salem Media. They own a, a handful of stations as well, a couple of religious stations, a news talk station. And so, yeah, I, I would say that this part of my career now, I mean, a little over half a decade at this point, has been working in radio. We often say we have a hundred or so volunteers that help us out through the year. I would suggest you have more actual radio experience than that hundred people combined. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go that because far. I, I, I just know where we come from. So, uh, well, and that's the, the amazing thing about community radio like this, though, too. You know, that's, that's one of the things I love about it. Uh, just remember, we have your phone number, so we, we, that's a good, <laughs> good thing to know. Let me remind folks, we're visiting with Matt West. He is host of our newest program called Automotive ADHD, and that airs Saturday mornings about 10.15. Matt, let's talk about cars. It seems to me from our initial conversation that you're obsessed with cars. Obsessed is putting it lightly, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> putting it lightly. We talked a little bit about having the first car, your Jeep, that needed some repairs. But uh, a lot of people have been in that situation and don't become obsessed with cars. What, what was it for you? Oh, I, I don't know. I think, you know, it was maybe maybe there's something wrong in my head that I actually enjoy working on these cars. I don't know. I, one of those things when you think about wrenching on cars and bashing your knuckles underneath a car and it's like 30 degrees outside and you're doing it. Nothing about that sounds fun, I will say. <laughs> but for some reason, I enjoy it. And I, I if I had to put my finger on it, I don't know if I could say what exactly got me hooked on cars, because I'm a little bit weird in my family that I'm sort of a first-generation car guy. It's not that my dad was into it. Neither of my parents were into it, in fact. I didn't have any other, like, car person, you could say, in, in, in my family. This is some weird offshoot that I got got hooked on, and, and they all think it's weird, and that's kind of part of why I do a podcast and, and now radio show about it, too. It's like, yeah, we're sitting around the table. They're sick of hearing me talk about cars, so who else do I talk to about it, right? So do you have a... A small stable of cars at your uh, place? Ooh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta count them off. I've got right now. I have only six cars. I've been having a little bit of a competition with one of my friends who's a mechanic who has nine. We're trying to, I'm trying to beat him, but he just bought three more cars. So, but yeah, I do, and they're all the hilarious thing about them. People say, "Oh, you've got a lot of cars. You must have a lot of money." And I'm like, <laughs> "That's not true." No, well, most of the cars cost less than a thousand bucks. I still have my uh, $800 first car. So what are a few cars that you have? 
well, there's the $800. It's now been dubbed, and, and um, fans of the podcast know it as the $800 Stroker Jeep. I built a really hot-rotted-out engine for it after I you know, fixed the first engine in it in high school, and then I blew that up again, and so I really went all out building a motor for it. Junkyard motor on the Jeep, but it's got way more power than it should have, and so that's a Jeep. It's a 92 Wrangler. Uh, then I have a 1977 AMC Hornet, which... <laughs> oh, there's a classic. No one looks at that car and says, you know, and when I talk to people, you know, I'm a younger guy and I, you know, I got this car in a condition that most people like, I showed it to my mother and she said, you paid money for that? <laughs> and, uh, but every time I talk to folks who were, um, who were around when this car was new, no one has nice things to say about it, but it is what it is. It runs, it drives, it was 600 bucks. I take it off-roading of all things. It's like a, it's like a dirt <laughs> rally car. Uh, and the great thing about it is 600 bucks, and it's so rusted out, not even the collectors, the AMC fans who buy these cars and want to fix them up. They don't even want to touch it. Like, That's too rusty. I don't want it. <laughs> so uh, I've got that. Then I've got, oh gosh, I got to think of this here. I have two, not one, but two 1986 Toyota Corollas. They're a fun, weird, they, they were the last of the rear-wheel drive Corollas, and they're really popular of all things in motorsports, actually. It's a really kind of obscure car to run in motorsports, but there's a dedicated little fan base of people who uh who do that and there's a there's a big fan base for them in japan specifically Mm -hmm. they were really popular in racing i found two of them i bought them both one of them i built an engine for that i had to import from japan and it's a really strange build and then i found another one that i bought for six hundred dollars and well what what can i say it's that's a little bit of an addiction there (laughs) so What's a fantasy vehicle, if money were no object? Something that you'd like to have, maybe in less than perfect condition that you could work on? Ooh, see, this is a tough one, and I, and I get asked this sometimes. And the problem is a lot of people are like, what's your dream car? Is it a Ferrari? Is it a Lamborghini? What is it? And, you know, for me, it's always like, you know, and it's kind of one, one reason why I call the show Automotive ADHD. I get fixated on one type of car I really want, and I'll go find the cheapest, crustiest example of it that I can find and try to fix it up. But then I get on to the next thing. And right now, I'm actually more in the market for something, of all things, get this practical. So I just bought a Toyota Tacoma as a sort of practical vehicle. And if you asked me that question a week ago, I'd say, my, my dream car right now, 10-year-old pickup truck. People <laughs> be, why? Because I need something that... Something that's going to run all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's got to start. It's got to drive. It would be nice if it has heat, maybe windows that go up and down. Those are all luxuries. And, and more importantly, it's got space for me to put engines in the back, and it can actually tow uh, a car as well. You know, I'm not trying to haul around a big 35-foot enclosed car hauler, but a small car trailer is really useful. So, yeah, that's one of the weird things. You know, I, I would say a way out there, way out there dream car would, would have to be, I don't know. It, it would be, I do think it would be fun to work on like a, an old Lamborghini from the 70s. I'm not really interested in the modern ones. That's not my style, but like an old like Lamborghini Mira. That would be a fun fixer-upper. <laughs> Those of us of my age, uh, much older than you, will remember the late 60s, early 70s when the new models came out. It was huge news because they were always so different. And oh, yeah. if I said 1959 Chevy Impala, there's a lot of people that know, would know exactly what that looks like because it was quite different from the, the 58 or the 60. Right. <laughs> and they, they changed year to year so quickly. And you got modern cars now that exist for, gosh, some cars like 10 years before the manufacturer refreshes them. So 
oh, I've got a, you know, say, oh, I've got a 20, 2005 Mustang. Well, it's not really any different than the 2008, 9, 10. In 13, they changed them a little bit. But it's like one of those things that, yeah, it's really, it's a little different now. Back in the day, they changed a lot. But mechanically, there, there were problems because they changed so radically. I, I bought a new car recently. It's the same as six years ago. But it's pretty efficient uh, in, oh, yeah. in terms of uh, its reliability. Let's get to your show, Automotive ADHD. For those who haven't heard it, what can they expect when they tune in on a Saturday morning? Well, the show, one thing that I, I really like about the show is it gives me, not only as a car enthusiast, the ability to talk about cars, but it gives me the ability to talk about cars that matter as well to the average person. You know, I always say that everyone has not everyone's a car person but pretty much everyone and especially everyone here in the valley right there's no public transport everyone has a car so you can expect to learn something cool i do touch on some automotive industry stuff and one of the uh last shows i did i talked about dealership markups and why those are a problem now especially when you see cars that have uh, that are not as in stock. You know, they're not making them as fast. There's been the chip shortage. Mm-hmm. Well, now dealerships are like, hey, you see that uh, Toyota Tacoma? Well, we're going to ask like thirty grand over MSRP. You know, dealerships mm-hmm. have always had markups a little bit. That's how they make money. But this is a huge, huge markup on everything, and that that's important again. Not just to a weird person like me who loves cars and buys cheap old ones. That's important to anyone who might be buying a car. Maybe they got a family member who buys one. So I I talk about topics like that. I've also talked about really interesting um, engineering topics, and I try to break them down to be as easily understandable as possible. You know, that's the thing. I'm a car enthusiast, and I can talk to another car enthusiast, and we can kind of be on the same page sometimes. But if I want to explain something about how winter tires work to someone who has no idea about it, that's one thing I think that I can uniquely do on the show. So it's got something for car enthusiasts, but it's also got something for just everybody. You don't have to be a car person to enjoy the show. Public radio uh, some years ago had the very well-known show Car Talk. I suspect you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I used to listen to that on a Saturday morning, and I know nothing about cars, but they were so entertaining that it, it drew me in. I would partially attribute them, for for better or for worse, into some of my uh, habit with cars. Because one thing I used to do when I was a kid, you know, I would travel with my mom and we'd go to the Springs to go to the, you know, uh, some of the bigger grocery stores there and get stock up on food. You know, that's uh, something a lot of people here do. You go out of town a couple times a month to really do a big grocery load. And, And we would catch sometimes in the morning car talk every Saturday morning. And I would hear them on on NPR. And uh, I loved them. I loved them. And I, I was very sad to hear later on when I got older that they were going to be retiring. And I loved their show. The great thing, by the way, not, not a plug for them necessarily, but they, uh, they have all their shows up online now. So if you, <laughs> I've been caught binging those shows sometimes when I'm working on my own cars. I love them. As we run out of time, you're interested in racing. What aspects uh, have you been involved with? I've done a number of um, different types of racing. So I've done drag racing. Uh, When I was getting out of college, I was building a Mustang to be a drag car. Uh, Slicks, everything. It wasn't that expensive or nice of a car, but I was trying to get into the 12-second range uh, in a quarter mile with a very cheap car with not a lot of experience, and I got pretty darn close. I've done that. I did that for a while, and then I kind of got hooked 
on road course racing. And in road course racing, you got a couple different flavors of it too. Uh, one thing that I started doing was autocross. Autocross is a handling course. It's a small, very small technical course. You're weaving a car basically through a sea of cones, like traffic cones. Mm. And uh, it's all about precision, handling, balance. And from that, I then went from that. And I still do that on the weekends. The great thing about that, that's a perfect motorsport for anyone looking to get into it, even if they don't have a really crazy sports car. I've seen people autocrossing their like Kia Sorentos. Uh, so, and it's cheap. The, you know, those are usually very cheap events and they're very safe too. You're not on course with other people at the same time. The worst thing you can crash into is a cone. And, mm. but from that, I've also done high speed, uh, high performance track days on big road courses, Pikes Peak International Raceway, Pueblo Motorsports Park, La Junta Raceway. And that's a full course, corners, everything. Think like F1, as close as you could get to F1 without an F1 car. <laughs> that's great. You'll have to meet Kathy Blaha and uh, Mike Bands, who are part of the radio station. Uh, they race uh, vintage Porsches, but they're down in uh, Florida right now. Uh, Matt, thanks for stopping by. This has been uh, interesting. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Matt West has been our guest today. He is host of our newest program, Automotive ADHD, which airs every Saturday morning right about 10.15. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 6 p.m., and again on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. I'm walking on a rainbow.